Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here at Simple Church. I want to say thank you so much uh, for being with us today here on this Sunday. We are in week number two of a series we are calling Close Encounters of the God Kind. Essentially, what we're doing is looking through Scripture, and we are taking a look at times where people encountered the presence of God. And you'll find that all through the Bible, when people did that, when they encountered God, their lives were forever changed. Now, we know that some of these encounters that we see through Scripture, that God is the one who initiated them, but we also see throughout Scripture that we have a role to play in encountering God. Verses uh, such as, draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. That's an invitation from God. We have a part in the process of encountering God. And one way that we are choosing to encounter God in this particular season is through our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, this started last Sunday on January 3rd. So we are starting week two today. And if you didn't know about it, listen, we want to just invite you to join us anyway, because you can pick right up. You've got the next two weeks where you can fast and you can be part of prayer. We think that this is an incredible season for us where we are showing God, hey, we want to prioritize our relationship with you. We're turning down the volume of the world and turning up the volume of the Spirit of God in our lives so that we can hear him better. We have some prayer targets, things we're asking God uh, to do in our lives, some things that we're just saying, God, we're not going to let go, like we talked about last week, until you bless this area of our life. And so if you want to join us, last week uh, I talked about fasting. So you can listen to that message and it'll tell you about the different kind of fast there in the Bible, or you can get onto our website. We have some resources there for you. Uh, but that's for the fasting part. For the prayer part, uh, we are doing what's called our first 15, where we're spending the first 15 minutes with God. Five minutes in prayer, five minutes in his word, and five minutes in worship. That means just expressing our love and adoration to God. And you can do that through song. You can do that through, uh, through uh, lots of different ways. And so join us. The first 15 is happening Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. We go live on Facebook. And if you're not up at that time or not available at that time, once we end the live session, it's about 10 or 15 minutes long. You can watch it throughout the rest of the day. It'll be an encouragement to you as we look into God's word, we pray together, and we go into our day expecting God to move in our lives during the season. So please join us for that time. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if you you uh, would like to uh, make sure that, that you have a prayer request that you want prayed over, and I'm talking about a request for you, because I think oftentimes we submit prayer requests for other people, you know, for grandma or for a coworker. And I would love it if you would submit a prayer request for you so that we can know how we can be praying for you. The easiest way to do that is in the description of the videos. If you're watching this on YouTube or uh, on uh, Facebook, uh, in the description of the video, you'll see a link that says our digital connect card. If you're watching in our online campus, uh, there is a digital connect card button that you can click. It'll either be shared in the comment section, but it's also here on the page and in, in the campus uh, experience. You can just click that. Send us your prayer requests. Our pastoral team would love to be praying over your prayer request in this season. Amen, everybody. So, so join us. Even if you missed last week, join us. Start today. Take a step towards encountering the presence of God in a way unlike any other you've ever experienced. And I promise you, I promise you, 
I, I, you won't even need my promise because you're going to experience it yourself, but your life will be different. Your life will be better. Your life will be transformed. So join us. Let's jump into what we're talking about today in our series and Close Encounters of the God Kind. Our verse for today is 2 Corinthians 3, uh, and it's from the message paraphrase. And essentially what this is, the author of this uh, took a translation of the Bible, put it in his own words. And I just think it's great because of the way that it says it. He says this, that whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, which is what this series is all about and what this season of 21 days of prayer is all about is us turning to face God, turning away from food, turning away from social media, TV, or whatever it is we're fasting from. We're turning towards God. God removes the veil and, and there they are face to face. So when we turn to God, God does some stuff, right? The, the thing that he does is he removes what's known as the veil. And that may not mean much to you, but to the people of this time, to, to the people in Moses' time, they would have understood this as a barrier between God and people. And it says that when you turn to him, because when you turn to him, you have to turn in faith, the doubt that we experience in our life gets removed. Because a lot of you would identify and say, you know what, Aaron, I don't experience God the way that you experience him. I don't know him like you know him. And what it requires for you to do is to turn to him. When you do, he gets involved and he will remove the veil. He will remove the barriers of doubt and disbelief if you're willing to turn to him. Watch what happens. He said, they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. So the God we serve is not some religious object. He is not a stained glass window. God is a personal living God. He is alive and he wants to have a personal living relationship with you as well. We go on and it says, and when God is personally present, which by the way is all the time, but when you acknowledge his presence, when you turn to him, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. And what this is referring to is your old way of doing things. That stuff in your life that you have had difficulty breaking through from. That stuff, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a thought pattern. Maybe it's a sin pattern. That area of life you have just struggled to break through from. When you turn to God, all that stuff becomes obsolete because we're free of it all of us. And that's good news. I love it when scripture points out that it's all of us, because I think some of us think that this is just for the elect. This is just for the special few. And it's not. It's for all of you. You say, Pastor Aaron, you're getting awful excited way early in the message. Yes, I am. I am pumped today to be sharing God's word with you here today. Come on, somebody. So here we go. So it says for all of us, nothing between us and God, our face is shining with the brightness of his face. Man, that's good. And it says, and so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Now this word transfigured could be, is another word for transformed. It means that we will be changed. And this is why encounters with God are important because when you choose to turn to God, when you come face to face with him, it changes everything. It makes us brand new. And watch what it says. It much like the Messiah, our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful. And here's the thing. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time turn. When we turn, we need to continue to turn. That's why 21 days of prayer is 21 days, right? And even after that, we need to make it an everyday process where we turn to him and gradually, not all at once, gradually, we become more like Jesus. We become just like him. Another translation of this scripture says that we go from glory to glory, that we slowly become transformed more like his son. So, it, then it goes on and says, and more beautiful as God enters our lives, 
and we become like him. We become like him. That's my hope and prayer for you in this series. Specifically today, what we're going to do is talk about some challenges we have to becoming more like God. Because there's some beliefs that we need to challenge, specifically that we hold about ourselves. And you'll find that that as we look into the Old Testament and into the New Testament, that every encounter that God has with people, this is where God begins his work. He begins with challenging, challenging our beliefs about ourselves. And so we're going to talk about this a little bit today. We're going to look at it through the life of Moses as well, because I think uh, each of us has an incorrect view of ourselves. We all struggle with with seeing ourselves correctly. We we find ourselves defined by things in our lives, uh, by stuff that's just not correct. And, 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 and we do this on a regular basis. We even do this in our physical, everyday walking around lives, right? Most of us, for the most part, we get up and every day, what do we do? We look into a mirror, right? And, and we, what we see in the mirror defines who we are. But see, here's the thing. Mirrors are tricky things. Because if you start looking into a mirror that is warped or into a mirror that is cracked, then the reflection that you see in that mirror can define you in an incorrect way. I don't know if you've uh, ever been to a fair or a circus and they have what's called a fun house. And uh, you go into there and there's there's different kinds of mirrors that they have. And I'm talking about those mirrored hallways that trick you and you, you wind up slamming your face into them. Those aren't fun either. But but I mean, like, like the, these mirrors that are bent and warped in certain ways. Some of them make you look fatter down here. Some of them make you look really skinny, which I like those ones. Uh, others of them make you look really wide. Some of them make your face look discombobbled. But, but mirrors are tricky because if you're looking into the wrong ones, if you're looking into a warped mirror, then you begin to have a warped perception of yourself and you begin to define yourself by what you see. And that's not what God has for you. Those distorted images of us inform us and build incorrect beliefs about ourselves. And God wants to deal with those things. And some of you, maybe you're, you're listening today and maybe you've already dealt with some of those things. Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a while and you've, you've identified some of the things, the mirrors that you've been looking into that have distorted your image of yourself. But, but maybe, maybe there's, there's still some more that you've just been unwilling to deal with. Or maybe there's, there's one that you've looked at and you just haven't dealt with it all the way, those incorrect beliefs. And I believe today that if you'll stay with me, God has something to say to you because I believe that God has a right image for us uh, to see ourselves and to define ourselves. It's kind of like the movie Snow White. Do you remember the, there was a, a wicked uh, queen? And, and what did she do? Come on, somebody share it in the comments if you know what she did. She'd go and she'd look into, yeah, she'd look into the mirror and what would she say? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? She was looking into that mirror to define herself. To, she was looking for validation, to be told who she was. And I think we do that. We look into lots of different mirrors for validation of ourselves, to be told who we are. We look into our relationships, mirror, mirror. We look into our, our job, mirror, mirror. Tell me who I am. We look into our kids, mirror, mirror. Our, our social media, mirror, mirror, which my goodness, stop looking into your social media. Uh, we look into our yard, our house, our possessions, our positions, our popularity, and we go mirror, mirror. Who is the fairest of them all? Who's the greatest? How am I doing? Validate me. Tell me who I am. And the problem is those are all the wrong mirrors. The result is we have a wrong image of ourselves. Psychology teaches us that 
each of us would look into three very distinct different mirrors. And the first one is the mirror of failure or rejection. Now, this one's a tough one. This one is where you hang out and you've got a statement about yourself. It's a wrong image of yourself. Where you say, I am what I did. I am what I did, but I have good news for you today. This is a wrong mirror. You are not what you did. You say, well, Aaron, I drank a lot, so therefore I am an alcoholic, which I think that is an incorrect statement, which by the way, I'm not arguing with Alcoholics Anonymous. I understand that they have you come to the program every week and before they even start the meeting, you start off saying I'm an alcoholic and that's a form of you owning your past behavior and owning your area of temptation. I understand that, but I want you to know you are not what you have done in the past. That is not your who. Your do does not determine your who. Some of you are like, Aaron, I've been married three times, so that means I'm not good at relationships and I'm never gonna be. I'm just gonna roll from relationship to relationship as it goes. Or, or Aaron, I'm, I've gone bankrupt, so I'm never gonna be able to handle my money or to steward things really well. But you can't let the mirror of rejection or failure define you. God doesn't see you as what you did. God sees you as what you can become. And if you believe this mirror right here of failure and rejection, then you, my friends, have believed a lie that you are what you did. You are not what you have done. You may have done a wrong thing and you may have to pay for that. There are consequences likely attached to that thing, but it is not who you are. And there's some of you here, if you're still plagued by the wrong decisions that you made, God wants to do a work in you and take you from right here to where he wants you to be. Come on, somebody. I need you to interact with me and say, I am not what I did. Go ahead and post it over there in the comments. If you're watching online, say it with me. I am not what I did. The next mirror we look into is the mirror of social pressure. Man, this is a big one. We oftentimes will look to other people to tell us who we are. But, and this is the statement we have. This is the lie we believe when we look into this mirror. I am who they say I am. And we let others define us. So they say, well, I am what my dad said about me. I am what my teacher said about me. I am what that bully in high school said about me. I am who that, who that person, that relationship that is no longer in my life, no longer even thinking about me, possibly even no longer even alive. I am what that person said about me. And I have to tell you, church, I am not exempt myself. I struggle with this one from time to time. I struggled with this one growing up even into adulthood, but God got a hold of me. He took a hold of me and, 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 and I decided that I was not gonna let those things that people said about me hold me captive anymore and God set me free. I am who God said I am, not who they said I am. And so God has a work that he wants to do in you. You are not who they said you are. You know what you're also not? You're not who they say you have to be. That's that social pressure. Man, we get, we get pressure from the world. We get pressure from culture. People say that we have to behave this way, look this way, talk this way. And I'm gonna tell you something. God's word is not always in alignment with what the world says you should be and what culture says you should be. In fact, it is very counter-cultural. It is the opposite direction. So there will be this struggle. You do not have to be 
who the world says you have to be. You do not have to be who social media says you have to be, who the influencers say you have to be. Ladies, you have been struggling, some of you, with who the ladies on the, the women on the cover of the magazines say you have to be. And you know what? Here's the truth. They aren't even what's on the cover of those magazines. All of them have been fixed, touched, or brushed up in some way or another. They aren't even the person that they are portraying that you ought to be. So you don't have to be who they say you are. You're only seeing their highlight reel. You don't have to be who they say you are and you don't have to be what they tell you you need to be. Come on somebody in the comment section, say it with me. I'm not who they say I am. I'm not who they say I am. The next mirror is this one, the mirror of inferiority, which says back, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. This is the one that, that I struggle with still today. I struggle with this particular mirror because when I was younger, I was told I wasn't smart even though I was a 4.0 student. I was told I had no common sense uh, and I just felt like growing up, I'm not enough and I've spent a life of proving and achieving as a result to kind of battle that, that fear, that mirror of inferiority that I've looked into. And I even still today, I hear voices of inferiority speaking to me, telling me I'm not enough. In fact, through this leading through this pandemic, I've, I've heard it said to myself and I've said it to myself. And at times I've even believed it until the Lord got a hold of me and shook me that I am not enough to lead through this pandemic as a pastor to lead this church when we're trying to find a building. I am not enough in this new year and all that it will bring. I'm not enough. The voice keeps trying to get me to believe I am not enough. And some of you, this is, this is the mirror you look into just like me. And you hear this on a regular basis. And the enemy is trying to get you to live from a place that you believe you are not enough. Mirror, mirror, we've got it all wrong. So how do we correct that? How do we stop looking into these mirrors? Well, the answer is, answer to the question of how do we find out what we really are is simply this. To find out what something is, you have to ask the one who created it. If you want to know who you are, you need to know what God says about you because he's the one who created you. Which, by the way, this right here, this exact thing right here, because the enemy wants to destroy you with the mirrors that he wants you to look into because he does not want you looking into God's word. He does not want you understanding who God made you to be. The enemy has tried to destroy and to completely uh put the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in your Bible, under attack to nullify it, to invalidate it, to say that it's not true. Because in the book of Genesis, it says that God created the heavens and the earth and that God created all of this. And that means that he created you. And if God created you, that means that his ways are best for you. But if they can get you to doubt the contents of Genesis, if they can get you to buy into the theory, by the way, not the science, I refute that in Jesus name, not the science of evolution. It is a theory because they cannot prove it. It does not fit the scientific formula or the process. Look it up. Use your head. See the process. It doesn't exist. It, you cannot observe evolution. Therefore, it is not scientific. It is a theory. And if they can get you to buy into a scientific theory of evolution, which dismisses God as the creator, then God's ways don't become the best ways. They become a suggestion for your life. This is why it's under an attack. And so we have to know without a doubt 
that God created us. And we've got to go back to him and ask him as the creator, what is your image for our lives? What is the mirror that we should be looking into? Because we need to get into God's word. We need to read it. We need to know it for ourselves. That's why we gather on Sunday online or when we're able to back in person again. That's why we we get up in the morning and we do the first 15 during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's why we pray. It's why we fast. That's why we read our Bibles on our own. This is why we sing songs of worship so that we can know God's word and come to believe it firmly in our hearts. And if you do, you'll not be the same person that you were. You will be changed. May not be immediately. May not be immediately that it happens in your life, but you won't be who you were. That little by little, you'll be transformed. Look at this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. So so we're seeing what God says, and this is, this, this is what I'm asking you to not let happen. Don't look into this and see what God has for you. And after looking at himself, go away and immediately forgets what you look like. Here's the thing. God has so much for you. That's why this message is so important. So that you can learn what mirror you need to begin to look into. So that you don't look into the mirror of insecurity and inferiority and of social pressure. So that you find who it is that you are supposed to be based on who the creator says that you are. God has more for you, but if you forget about it, you'll never experience it. Look what it continues to say. But whoever looks intently, whoever looks intently, which by the way means with purpose. It means with intention or intentionality attached to it. It means somebody who is prioritized taking time to look into God's word, making sure that you're here on Sunday to hear his word preached to you. Somebody who is making sure to add intentionality to looking into God's word. This effort is prioritized. They look intently into the perfect law. They'll find freedom. And if you continue in it, right? That's why we're, we're gonna go forward. It's 21 days, continues in it. Not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. This is God's promise for you. And this is what I'm promising you too, but God's promise is greater than mine. He's promising you, if you'll look intently into his word, if you'll look intently into the mirror of the image and see the image that he has for you, you'll, be, you'll find freedom and you'll be blessed. You'll absolutely be blessed. So today, as we look into Moses' story, I just wanna share Moses is a messed up guy. He's got, he's got some insecurities. He struggles with his identity and reasonably so. Moses' story starts off with a time in Egypt when all the, the Hebrews or the Jews lived in Egypt and uh, they were slaves and they were multiplying at such a great rate that the Pharaoh decided he wanted to have all the baby boys that were born killed. Well, Moses' mom isn't down for that. She sees there's something special about him, comes to believe that, that he, God has a plan and purpose for his life. And so she saves his life by taking the baby and putting him into a basket of bulrushes that she weaves together. She puts pitch and tar on it, puts the kid in it, and then sends him down the Nile River. And, uh, and as God would have it, Moses kind of rests into an area where Pharaoh's daughter, this the king of Egypt, by the way, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, is is now bathing in the water. She sees this little basket come along, and she has it brought over to her. And so she brings Moses into the to the to the uh, the palace, and Moses becomes a prince, an adopted prince 
of Egypt. And it's an incredible situation where, where he finds himself having all this wealth. He finds himself having the big house. He finds himself having everything anybody in that land would have wanted to have and wanted to be. Education, opportunity, everyone would have envied Moses. And yet he was miserable and had a struggle inside because he was not who God called him to be. When Moses learns that he's a Hebrew and not an Egyptian, he begins to struggle internally so much so that one day he kills a man because of a dispute and what's happening between his, the Hebrews and the Jews. And then, like we all do when we do something destructive, he runs and hides. He runs off into the desert. He was 40 years old at that time, and he spends 40 years in the wilderness becoming a shepherd, uh, building a family life, but he's there. And in the midst of this desert, this is where we see God have this first encounter with Moses. For Moses' very first uh, close encounter of the God kind happens. He's 80 years old, and he's out with the sheep. And on a mountaintop, God begins to speak to Moses from a burning bush. Now, some of you are like, wait a minute. Did you just say that Moses was burning bush? No, that's not what I said at all. That's not what made him think God was talking to him from a bush. The presence of God had rested on a bush, and it was on fire, but it did not burn. And God starts talking to him. And God speaks to him and gives him a mission. And of course, Moses responds with some insecurities because God has called him to do something big. He's called him to, uh, to free the, the uh, Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. And Moses has four responses to God's call in his life, for God's invitation for more. And four responses, four insecurities that I'll so, show you that God had to do the work on him. And he'll need to do this work on you too. And we're going to confront those things. I'm going to show you those four things and I'm going to confront those things with right thinking and some statements. So here they are, the very first one, the first question or insecurity Moses had when God started speaking to him about who he was, Moses said, who am I? He said, you know, I'm, I'm a he am I Hebrew? Am I Egyptian? Am I a deliverer? Or am I a shepherd? Am I a murderer? Am I a free man? Who am I? And, and notice this, so it says, but Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I'll be with you. Now, the question of who am I, of course, is, is Moses going to God saying, you know what? I'm a murderer. Like, you, you, know, you know that about me, right? You know that's my story. You know I killed somebody, buried him in the sand. Likely they found his body. I think everybody knows, and I think they're looking for me, and I think they want to kill me. But note that God doesn't even answer Moses about who am I? He doesn't even speak to him. What God does is he says, I'm going to be with you. He starts talking to Moses about himself. Because when Moses asked, who am I? God said, let me tell you who I am. I love that. It goes on and he said, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. So, so basically he's letting Moses know that, that when you go, people aren't even gonna be paying attention to you, that, that they're not gonna notice you because I'm gonna go with you. I'm gonna go in my power. I'm gonna show up as I am and I'm gonna make a difference, man. I, I've experienced this before. I, I've, I've been, been, this is one of my insecurities, the who am I kind of thing. And I've experienced a, a panic attack. There was this time I came in, this was in our early days, and, and you need to know that before I ever became the pastor of our church, I'd only preached twice in my life. And, uh, and so our, our, the first couple Sundays, one of the Sundays I came in and I had a, a panic attack. I was freaking out. And I was, I mean, it was breathing heavy. I was crying. I was really I was just mentally in a bad place. 
And our associate pastor, I pulled him to the side and I said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's going on. And he just grabbed me and held me in his big burly chest. And I cried into his chest and he cried with me and discovered his purpose of why God had called him to his church, to our church. And that was to be a support for me. It was this beautiful moment, but, but he grabbed my face. And I remember what he said. He said, Aaron, go in with that. Go in with your insecurities. Go in with God and watch what God will do. And this was 15 minutes before service started. And I remember walking to that podium and I just shared, I shared, I'm so insecure right now. I'm struggling today. And I have to tell you that that was probably one of the best messages that I've ever preached. And it's not because I was awesome. It is because God showed up and he wanted to show up in the middle of my insecurities and show me that in my weaknesses, in what I felt was my inferiority, he would prove his strength. And he did that day. You know, the apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he had insecurities too. And God picked him to be the one to tell all of the Gentiles, that was the non-Jews, so that's, that's the rest of the world, to tell them about Jesus. And Paul was, when God called him, he was in the middle of killing Christians. This guy was as unqualified as they come. And yet God says, when, when God called him and he responds, who am I? Paul's response to God, this is, this is later Paul's response to what God had done in him and through him was this. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's my story too. I am what I am by the grace of God. Believe it or not, as a kid, I was very, very shy. Growing up, I, I shook and trembled when, when given opportunities to speak in front of people. I Public speaking scared me to death. And this is true. You can ask my family. You can ask people that I was in school with. They will tell you it's true. And like I said before, I became a pastor and pastoring my own church. I'd spoken publicly twice in my life uh, and preached messages. But by the grace of God, like Paul, I am what I am. God has turned my life around and inside out because it isn't about me. It's about him. That's why I have to ditch the question and you have to ditch the question of who am I, that who am I image, and accept that I am who I am by the grace of God. In fact, say that with me, say it out loud wherever you are, type it in the comments, but do it with me, come on. I am who I am by the grace of God. You can do whatever God has put in front of you because God is with you. His grace is with you. Second question Moses asked was, who are you? And, and here's this, this question here is interesting. When, we, when we're looking at God and we're questioning God, I often find that the people who are struggling with inferiority, insecurities, and social pressures personally, uh, the reason that they're struggling with those is probably because they don't know who God is. And they need to settle that. They need to settle that. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Like they ask for proof of it. Moses was afraid of that. What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses is wanting to know. God, I don't even know your name. Here you are. You've appeared to me. This, this I'm on holy ground. You're burning this bush. The bush isn't burning. You're speaking to me. I'm encountering your presence. I, you're challenging me. You're telling me you're going to go with me. But, but, but I don't even know your name. And God's response is, I am who I am. In other words, he doesn't say, I am God. He doesn't give his name that he gave uh, previously. I am Yahweh. He doesn't give that name. He says, I am God, or I am who I am. Because 
If he were to give a name to Moses, well, I don't believe there are enough words that we could use to describe who God is. I think God, and we look in the scripture, we can see this. He's beyond anything that we can ever imagine or think. This is who God is. And so God didn't want to give a name that would put him into a box. He said, I am who I am because that's who I am. I am whatever. And some of you, you lack the confidence in this. You lack a confidence in who God is. And you're opting as a result of that insecurity for a uh, safe Christianity, we'll just say it. That you want the fire insurance, you don't want to go to hell, but you're not certain that God is, is who he says he is. And so you don't trust him with the rest of your life. Like you want to say, Jesus, be my savior, forgive me of my sins, I'm going to heaven, but... I don't know about giving of my finances. I don't know about being on a dream team. I don't know about, uh, about serving or discovering my purpose by going through growth. I don't know about a grow group or I'm just not really sure. We want to dip our toe in. But here's what I'm, I'm challenging you with today. Go all in. Stop dipping your toe in. Stop settling for the safe Christianity. Go all in because God has more for you. And here's the thing. He won't let you experience it until you go all in. Remember, we have to look intently. We have to make a decision to do our part with intentionality, to look into the perfect word of God, to see the image of who he, who we are through his lens. But we've got to settle who he is in order to do that. I want you to go from your toe, from dipping your toe in to your whole body. Jump all in. And if you do, you'll discover the fullness of his promises. Now, I know some of you are pushing back a little bit. Maybe your issue is with some of the scriptures that, that you're like, okay, Aaron, well, here's the problem. There's some stuff in that Bible that I don't think is physically possible. And, and, and I agree with you. I agree with you. There's stuff that I read, the story of Jonah. It's Jonah in the way. I don't think that's physically possible. I don't think it's physically possible for uh, a virgin to have be, you know, to, to have a baby. I don't think that is physically possible. Um, I don't think a dead person rising from the dead is physically possible. The good news is, is we're not dealing with a physical God. We're dealing with a spiritual, all-powerful God, and the impossible is possible with him. And so, I, I don't know, just, it, 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 he's not a physical God. Reminds me of this story, this, this little girl uh, did a, a project at school and she did it on Jonah and the whale and she brought it in and turned it into her teacher and her teacher just, just in front of the whole class said, well, this is ridiculous. This is not even possible. It's not possible for someone to be swallowed by a big fish or by a whale and, and to survive in the belly for three days. And, and the little girl said, well, I, you know, when I get to heaven, I, I intend to ask Jonah, how all that happened? And the woman said, well, what happens if he didn't go to heaven? And the little girl said, well, I guess you can ask him then. So <laughs> bad pastor. That's not, uh, that's, don't write that down. I'll put that in your notes. That's not good. But, uh, but, but here's where we need to be. Ah, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power. And by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult for you. This is who our God is. And people who have gone all in and had close encounters of the God kind simply say this in response to who are you? There is nothing too difficult for my God. There's nothing too difficult for our God. I am what I am by the grace of God. And there's nothing too difficult for my God. And then Moses asked this question. This is the third one. He said, what if they, what if they, His concern and focus is one, was on their response. 
Moses said, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? And they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. He said, what if I get there and they don't think that you're with me? What if I get there and they don't think that you're real? They don't believe that you sent me or worse, they don't listen to me. What if? And he got hung up on the what ifs of man. And the Bible says this, that fear of man will prove to be a snare. Moses was caught. This is a snare to put the weight of everyone else. Well, what are they going to do? What if they don't approve? What if me going all in is inconvenient to my friends or my family? What if it means that, that the way that I interact with people changes? What if it means my priorities begin to align with God's priorities and it doesn't align with culture or the world and they don't like that? What if they make fun of me? What if they don't go with me? What if it'll be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. You know, even in Jesus' day, this was a problem. There were people that wanted to believe in him, yet it says, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved praise from men more than the praise from God. They wouldn't even confess Jesus. They were ashamed of their belief in him because they wanted Praise from man more than praise from God. Isn't that crazy? And I'm here to tell you, you will remain insecure. You will remain under social pressure. You will remain feeling insufficient until you decide. Decide what? Until you decide to stop letting pressure from those who didn't save you, who don't love you, who didn't create you, tell you who you are. Paul said this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He said, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed to tell people about Jesus. I'm not ashamed to lift my hands in church. I'm not ashamed to praise him for all he's done for me. I'm not ashamed to live my life. I'm not ashamed of these marks I got in my back, the persecutions that I've experienced. I'm not ashamed of them. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which by the way is the good news about what Jesus did for us. That's what's contained in that word. He said, I'm not afraid of what Jesus did for me. He said, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And don't let others who don't care or love you as much as Jesus put pressure on you. God loves you. He saved you. He's redeemed you. He's delivered you. He paid the price for you, not them. So we say, I am what I am by the grace of God. And there's nothing too difficult for my God. And here's the third statement, and we respond to this to the what ifs of others. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. This is the mirror we need to look into. There's freedom in this, you know that? When you're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, there's freedom to enjoy your relationship with God in totality. There's freedom to enjoy the gifts of the spirit that God wants to have flow through you for the benefit of others and the church. There's freedom to obey him. There's freedom to serve him. There's freedom to give without care or concern of self. There is freedom to praise with your hands lifted high. There's freedom to pray for others in public not in a private way, not with your eyes closed. It's so quiet, man. I love, I love that I have freedom because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have prayed for people in grocery stores. I was a server at a restaurant and a guy came in and telling me his foot was going to get amputated. I bowed on my knees and grabbed a hold of his foot and prayed for his foot as a server at a restaurant in a bar, folks, in a, in a gym. I've laid hands and grabbed somebody and prayed for him. Like I am not ashamed because the power of God is there in it. Man, it's good stuff. Quit letting what ifs about others 
keep you down. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus going all in, no matter what they say. And here's the fourth and last pushback. This is the fourth and last insecurity that Moses had when God put his hand on his life. He said, I have never, I, I have never, when we say the same thing, I've never done it, so I'm disqualified. I've never done this before. But let me tell you something. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. I'll say that again for the people in the back. God doesn't call the qualified. People that are ready. People who have done this a hundred times. He qualifies the called. He gives his power. He gives his strength simply to the people that may have never done it before, but are willing to say yes. That are willing to step out, to step into that space and just be obedient. To, to, to not be ashamed. And whatever God calls you to do, just say yes to it. There'll be a lot of things that you've never done and you need to step into it boldly. Moses said this. He said to the Lord, I have never been eloquent because God was calling him to speak publicly, to speak to Pharaoh, to speak to the people. He said, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. So I can't talk to people. And honestly, that was my excuse too. When, when, when the, the Lord wanted me to speak, when he wanted me to be a pastor, it's one of the things I pushed back on. And I desperately wanted to grow in because I knew that every Sunday was going to come and every Sunday I needed to preach and every Sunday I needed to speak. I said, I haven't done this before. But I had to step into it. I had to trust God. Two at-bats to preach is not a lot when you have to start doing it every Sunday. And you can go back and listen to those messages. They ain't so great. But you know what? I stepped into it and God still worked. God still grew our church in a funeral home, folks. It's not because I'm special. It's because God was with me and that I didn't hold on to and I have never done this before. And if you'll choose to let go of that excuse, you'll begin to see God work in your life too. Uh, for some of you, this, this simple, I have never done this before, is the request from us for you to be a grow group leader. Man, we're calling for people to be grow group leaders, to, to lead groups. And your response is, well, I've never done that before. I've attended groups before, but I've never led a group before. And I don't know how to do that. And so I'm just going to disqualify myself. But let me tell you something. It's okay that you've never led a group before. Give yourself permission to do it anyways. Give yourself permission to be scared. It's okay. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is being afraid and doing it anyway. So take courage. Encourage your heart. Be bold and grab onto the fact that you may have never done it before, but God will be with you. Fact of the matter is, is we need you to lead a group because I truly believe it. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this by the spirit of God right now. There are people who will never experience the freedom that God has for them until, and they'll never discover their purpose and their place in the kingdom of God until you start taking up your place in the kingdom of God, until you say yes to leading a group. They're never going to find that freedom because they never would have joined a group unless you chose to be obedient and, and open a group and host one. They'll never do it. They'll never discover their purpose. They'll never discover their freedom until you lead a group. I just believe that. And I'm speaking to somebody today who has continued to push it off and say, well, I have never, and you've disqualified yourself. You need to start believing this about yourself, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is what Paul said. Whatever it is God's got for you, you can do all things. So here's what here's the statement. Everybody say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, say it again. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say, I am what I am by the grace of God. There's nothing too difficult for my God. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the work that God wants to do in you and in your life. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would confront every social pressure, every inferiority, every insecurity that we are experiencing in our life. And I pray that you would confront those things with the truth of who you are and who you said that we are. And I pray God today that those that are listening, you would give them courage and you would give them boldness to step into all that you have for them. Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts, soften their hearts to allowing us as a church, me as their pastor, to lead them this year into the best year spiritually that they've ever experienced, which I believe will be the best year of their life. Soften their hearts, Lord, to allow us to lead them into showing them who you are, God, and who they are as well. God, through the rest of this year and through these 21 days of prayer. Now, I wanna specifically challenge in this moment of prayer, everyone with your eyes closed, I want you just to listen to the sound of my voice as I speak to you. There are those of you that have said no, and you've chosen to take a back seat and say no to the God's best for your life. You've said no to giving, you've said no to growth track, you've said no to, to serving on the dream team, and all because of some insecurity and some insufficiency or some social pressure, and it's time to put those things aside. It's time to trust God and to see yourself as he does through the eyes of faith. This is your time, this is your year, today is your day. Some of you need to fill out a connection card and say, I'm ready. I'm ready to join Growth Track. I wanna become a member of this church. I'm ready to join a team. I wanna know what, what, how God's made me and wired me to make a difference. Some of you, when the opportunity comes to give, you need to take the step of faith and you need to give. Some of you need to join a group. Groups are forming and, and they'll be available shortly. You need to make a decision today. I'm gonna to get into a group. Even if I have to do it remotely and virtually to remain safe, those options will be available for you and some others will gather in person, but you're gonna make a commitment. I'm gonna prioritize this. I'm going to do it with intentionality. I'm gonna get into a group and others of you, God is leading you to lead a group. It's time to say yes. It's time to step into all that God has for you. As we continue in this moment of prayer, I just wanna speak to those of you who have been holding out on a relationship with God entirely. For those of you who, for whatever reason, you've disqualified yourself from having a relationship with God. Well, because I've done this, or because they said this about me, or because what will my family think, or I come from a different faith background, I come from Muslim, I come from Catholic, I come from, I, 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 I come from Buddhist background. What, what will my family think? Let me tell you something, your family, not a single one of them, paid the price for you with their lives. Jesus did that for you. He died on a cross. He was the only one who could give a perfect and sinless life and give himself as a sacrifice for your sins so that you could be made brand new, so that you could experience true life with God. Jesus did, did that for you and his heavenly father sent him to do the job. The price was paid with his blood and he did all that because of his love for you. God is not mad at you. God, you are not disqualified. There's nothing you've done. There's no place you've been born. There's no religion you've been part of. There is nothing that disqualifies you from the love of God and being part or a member of his family, no matter 
what you belong here. So today, if you'll turn to him, if you'll make Jesus Lord of your life, that's something we'll celebrate with you and God will welcome you into his family. And I promise you, your life will be transformed. If you're ready to do that today, pray this prayer along with me. Those of you that are in our online campus, click the button that says, I'm raising my hand right now. I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm making that decision. Do that now and then pray this prayer prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Show me who you say I am. Fill me with your spirit. Make me brand new. and Show me how to live for you and tell others about you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Man, if you prayed that prayer today, know that all of heaven's shouting and having a party. Those in our online campus on Facebook are also celebrating with you. Would you make the next best decision of your life? Would you click the digital connect card? Would you fill it out and say, yes, I said yes to Jesus today. Would you give us your information? We promise we won't sell it. We're not gonna contact you or harass you. We just wanna make sure that you understand what your next steps are in your spiritual journey. We wanna be part of that. You're part of our spiritual family now. And we want to help you get connected to God's best for your life and how you walk out this life with Jesus. So make the next best decision. Click that digital connect card. Give us a chance to connect with you. Amen. All right. Well, as we wrap up the service, I want to give an opportunity for you to give. Man, if I have been thankful for anything throughout this season, specifically since the pandemic has started and we've had to switch to uh, to suspend our in-person services to this online format. One thing that I am so thankful for is your faithful giving. Uh, Month over month, every month, giving has continued to go up and I am so thankful that you have been part of following the spirit of God's leading to a continue giving, but also to give and those of you that are growing in your generosity and your giving. Thank you so much, man. We, we get to do what we do as a church uh, because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity. And I want to just thank you so much for that. The ways to give are probably here on the screen. One of the coolest ways to give is, is if you're somebody who's just, that the Lord has spoken to about a specific amount, or if you're a tither and, and your, your giving is consistent, you can go into uh, our giving app and you can actually set up recurring giving so that it happens automatically for you. Uh, I think that's a great way to prioritize your giving. You just kind of set it up, set it and forget it. And it just continues to go for you so that you don't ever have a time where you miss an opportunity to be generous. You're being intentional, you're putting a plan in place. And so you can schedule recurring giving in our app. Uh, or uh, And so I just think that's an awesome thing to do. Uh, but you can use our app to give, you can text to give, uh, you can even mail it in. We just are so thankful for your generosity. You're making a huge difference in this season and not just here in Reynoldsburg, but beyond. So thank you so much for that. I want want to tell you, we'll see you next week as we continue in week three of the series, Close Encounters of the God Kind. If this message has been impactful to you, make sure that you share it. You can share it on social media, text the link to somebody, invite them to watch it with you. Uh, The greatest, greatest opportunities we have in this season in this online streaming format is that we can connect with even more people and spread the gospel, the good news about Jesus everywhere. So be a part of someone who is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Invite your friends to hear the messages that we share here at Simple Church. And for those of you that are joining us for the first 15 through this 21 days of prayer, I'll see you in the morning at 7 a.m. live on Facebook. God bless you guys. I love you so much. We'll see you back here next week.